You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 434. Remember, you are never going to convince the seller of anything. They have to convince themselves. So don't be hard on yourself. Like, I must be a really bad negotiator. I used to like be really hard on myself when I started and I would go, God, I'm just such a, I must be a bad negotiator because I could not convince the seller to discount their house 30%. No, you're you're never going to convince someone. They are going to have to do that for themselves. So instead, you might want to help them by giving them some, you know, supporting facts. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Today we have Nick Vosikis in the house. I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. Nick, how do I say your last name? Vosikis. Okay, I was like kind of close. Vosikis. You're close enough. You're close enough. All right, all right. Okay. Nick is a student of mine and he actually lives near my hometown in Long Beach. Nick joined the Wholesaling Inc. tribe about a year ago, and after many attempts in his local market, he decided to go virtual, and that's how he and I met, and he joined my coaching program. Since then, Nick has been crushing it. Nick went from zero deals to pretty much closing a deal every two weeks, and his pipeline seems to be getting bigger by the day. Nick, what's going on? Going on, Lauren. I am glad to have you a part of the podcast right now with me. I want to do something a little different with you today, but I do want to ask, you know, if you can kind of give everybody a little background about you, maybe introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I got started in wholesaling now about two years ago. And I say that I really got started about a year ago because for the first year, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was sending like you know, 500 postcards every few months thinking I'm going to get a deal Mm -hmm. in a couple of months. I'm going to be this, you know, rich entrepreneur. And I was definitely surprised when that did not happen for almost a year and a half. It was when I collected (laughs) my first check. So it was a lot of struggling. Joined Wholesaling Inc., like I said, a year ago. And then after struggling in my market, I mean, in LA, it's just, it's so competitive. And I was sending, you know, like 500 to a thousand postcards a week. You can't compete with some of the guys that are spending, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing every month. So then I wanted to go virtual. Uh, I remember on one of the coaching calls for Wholesaling Inc., I had asked Tom, you know, I'm thinking about switching markets and, you know, I wasn't sure on what to do. And then he actually reached out to me personally, started to help me choose a market. And then that was when he introduced me to you because obviously you're the, the virtual expert here. And since then, I mean, it's just been an absolute game changer. I mean, I went from having like no leads, no success at all to doing, you know, now I just closed my third one. I got two more set to close in the next month. And like you said, my pipeline is just filled right now. (laughs) So it's awesome. Well, I love hearing that. And yes, at that time, my coaching program was still, it wasn't public we hadn't made it known yet that I was joining Wholesaling Inc. So you were one of my first students. I do remember that. And I'm super excited that we met. And it really is great to see how much you've grown from that point to now. And we've had so many good talks 
in our coaching calls. And that's why I wanted to bring you on today because I wanted to do something different than the typical podcast where everybody, you know, you talk about where you started and where you're at now and what's your favorite book and all that stuff. Now nah, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do more of an episode about seller conversations because you have been doing a lot of cold calling and you've been doing some text marketing and you've been giving lots of offers to sellers and you have been hearing all sorts of things from sellers. And sometimes you have answers, sometimes you don't have the answers. And we've talked about a lot of them and you yourself have gotten really good at talking to sellers and you have some good rebuttals that you, you know, should definitely share with the group. So I thought it would be really cool if you asked me some questions and more of like a Q and a super off the cuff way of just, Hey, if a seller says this, what would you say? And then you can tell me what you would say. And I think that our listener would love that because I hear it all the time that our listeners, our students, our tribe members, they get pretty nervous to talk to sellers. I think that's almost the number one fear, right, Nick? I mean, would you say number one fear talking to sellers? Absolutely. And like, just to preface this a little bit, I cold call now like five hours a day. I was like the worst communicator, negotiator. I had like zero experience with sales or anything like that. I was like, I would shake every single time I would make a phone call. So mm-hmm. anybody that's scared out there thinks like, oh, I just can't do it. You're just labeling yourself and you're limiting yourself because I'm telling you, I started at rock bottom. So I really think that anybody can do it. You just have to push yourself to do it. Oh yeah. I mean, everybody is scared to talk to sellers. When I first started, yeah. I remember my biggest fear was lowballing the seller and giving the seller the offer because <laughs> it's always a low ball. And it, I just felt like I was offending them every time. And I'm a, I'm a very non-confrontational person. I mean, if people that know me as a friend, my family, like they know I'm not very confrontational. So it used to like make me, I mean, like shake, like I would literally like be shaking. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Like as I'm about to call someone, like I would like, before I would like get on the phone, I would like rehearse what I was going to say. I would say it like four times. I would like write down in front of me some points, like, okay, you know, the reason I need this is because X, Y, and Z, and I'd write it in front of me. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, now I just say it, it's second nature to me, but it's, it's not like that when you start. And no, not at all. Definitely. So, and you're still in it. And that's why I wanted to like, I wanted to get you because you're in this pivotal place where you really remember being afraid and you're now like not. And that was only like a month or two ago. It wasn't that long ago that you went from just conquering that fear. Exactly. Well, yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things too, for me, like I thought I was going to be going broke like months ago and that really pushed me to have to take action. So I feel like sometimes those can be the best times when it's really tough because it pushes you past the fear because you really don't have any other choice but to take action. Such a good point. Like I used to say, what is more scary right now? Offering this seller $200,000 for $300,000 home or moving back in with your parents. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like what's, yeah. what's scarier? Like realistically. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The second one. <laughs> yeah. Definitely moving back in with your parents. Like definitely <laughs> going broke. That's definitely more scarier than offending a seller. I think we should just get into it. And I, I guess I want you to ask me and I'll give you, you know, my answers. I'll do my best. You guys, this is off the cuff. Like I don't really know what he's going to ask me. So Go ahead, Nick, and I'll do my best. And I'll tell you guys what I would say to a seller. 
All right. So I actually, I made a little list of some that have come up for me recently. One that I get often is that, you know, the house is in really bad condition. It fits all the criteria. It's in bad shape. The kitchen bathrooms haven't been up in a while, haven't been done remodeled, but they still want market value. And there may even be some sort of motivation in there where like they need to, right? They might be behind on payments, but they're just still like, no, I want market value. You know, you get kind of caught up. Like, am I not communicating with them correctly or what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so here's the thing. You're never going to change a seller's mind. The seller's going to have to come up with that on their own. So what I do is I kind of reverse psychology them and I go, okay, so Mr. Seller, you, okay, so you're saying you want a hundred thousand and that's the lowest you'll take. Well, you know, I mean, to be honest, that, that sounds like a market price. And I think you're going to have to sell, you know, the home on the market with a realtor. You're probably going to have to fix what's broken and, and do some of the repairs. But I mean, have you thought of selling it with a realtor? Why don't you just sell it with a realtor? Why are we even talking and hear what they say? Now, okay. A lot of the times they're going to say, oh, I, well, you know what? You know why I can't sell it with a realtor? Because I'm going into foreclosure in a month and I don't have time. Okay. So you'd see, they just answered their own question. They just convinced themselves like, wait, actually the investor offer is their best offer. So that's what I say is, well, then it looks like you need an investor who can close really quickly because you don't have the time to sit on this thing for six months while it's, it's on the market with the realtor while you wait for that market price. Does that sound right? So, you know, now that we've kind of went over that, could you see yourself taking 60,000 for the home, knowing that you're going to avoid and then insert pain, right? Avoid, insert their pain, whatever that is. Could you see yourself accepting that price? So I want you, when you have a seller who is just in this mindset, remember, you are never going to convince the seller of anything. They have to convince themselves. So don't be hard on yourself. Like I must be a really bad negotiator. I used to like be really hard on myself when I started and I would go, God, I'm just such a, I must be a bad negotiator because I could not convince the seller to discount their house 30%. No, you're, you're never going to convince someone. They are going to have to do that for themselves. So instead you might want to help them by giving them some, you know, supporting facts in reverse psychology a little. So, you know, I like to say, well, why don't you, you know, just fix up the home, you know, get a contractor in there, fix it up, get a new roof and sell it on the market with a realtor. That's all it needs to get a hundred thousand. Why don't you do that? Oh, well, I don't have $15,000. The roof is going to cost, you know, probably seven. And then I've got to do X, Y, Z, right? Like they just answered their question why they can't Okay. So Mr. Seller, you're saying that selling it with a realtor is not even an option for you. So it sounds like an investor offer is your best option. You know, Mr. Seller, I am looking at prices right here. And that's when maybe you start supporting your price with some comps that you found, you know, as far as investor pricing goes, I try to be the most competitive in the area. Um, so I'm looking at comps right now and it looks like prices are, you know, there's one that went for 53. There's one that went for 55. There's one that went for 60. And, you know, I, I already offered you the highest one, 60,000. Now that you've kind of, we've had some time to talk, I mean, cause you see yourself taking 60,000. So that's how I would answer that. What do you yeah, think? And the, well, the last point too, that you made that actually helped me out a lot when I was making offers is going through some of the recent comps What's really nice about PropStream is how they have, you know, the MLS and public record comps. So you can just go right on there and look at the ones that have recently sold. I never did that until you told me that. And I think for a lot of wholesalers that are scared to give out an offer, 
that's an easy way to ease that a little bit because you're just telling the seller or the homeowner what the other properties went for. You're not giving an offer. It's, it's almost like a, a passive offer, you know, like, oh, well, these properties went for this amount. So it might be able to ease their, you know, the yeah. tension a little bit when they're giving a low offer. For sure. Like, don't get mad at me that your neighbor sold their home for 55000 <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, don't kill the messenger. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I actually love PropStream. If you guys want a great source for cash sales and really good comps and like nationwide, PropStream is really great. Tell them I sent you. I use PropStream as well to find those. I always try to get like three comps. So when I'm delivering an offer, I want three comps that I can just real quick be like, whoa, did, well, did you know, Mr. Seller, did you see 256 Main Street? Did you see, you know, so I have them right in front of me and I can deliver that and that helps support my narrative. All right. So another one that comes up, this comes up often. I feel like a lot of new people get scared of this is, you know, what's the name of your company? Where do you do business from? How long have you been in the business? You know, they kind of try to like pin you back up against the wall in a mm -hmm. corner and everyone gets like super scared of this question. I feel like. Yes, especially the newer investor who just started this business a month ago or has never done a deal. So I have two answers. If it was me, obviously I tell them the truth. I tell them all about me because I'm really rock solid in my area and I've been doing this business enough years to, you know, prove myself. But if you're new, what I would say is you piggyback off of partners. I recommend, especially if you're going virtual and I teach all things virtual. So if you're going virtual, you want to have a boots on ground partner that is experienced. That's my number one, like non-negotiable when you start out going virtual. So what I would do is I would piggyback off of your partner and I would say how many years he's been in business. I'd say, well, we, my partner has been in business five years. This is his company name. I'll be honest, I'm new. I'm a new investor. And my job is to talk to sellers. Sellers are okay. Like they're not going to say, oh, well, wait, you're new. I don't want an offer for my home now that you've told me that. Like what seller is ever going to say that? If they say that, they're not really motivated. But as long as you piggyback and you say, but no, my partner is very experienced. I'm just the one that works the phones because he's so busy. So that's how I would do it. I've been getting this a lot recently, you know, because I'm doing a virtual also. And I'll get people, you know, well, where are you? And anyone that thinks that it matters if you don't live in that state, I literally just closed a deal or well, will be closing up. And the lady asked me exactly. She's like, you know, where do you live? She's or she, I think she said something like, are you a, a California investor? And I said, yes. And she did not care at all. So if you just come off, like it's not a big deal, then it's not a big deal to them. And then you just say, you know, I have boots on the ground in whatever market you're in and they feel comfortable. So right. it has not been an issue at all for me. Absolutely. You say my partner's local, you know? Yeah. I'm in California, but I visit there. I do visit there, but my partner is local. We have a local presence. We have, you know, people out there that will meet you. Mm -hmm. And it, honestly, yeah, it, it's funny. Like people really stress out about this. It doesn't come up as much as you think. And even if they, it does, you just tell them the truth and they don't care. <laughs> so yeah, they really don't. Yeah. Yeah. They really don't for the most part. So how do you respond? Like, obviously everyone has experienced the pissed off seller. So how do you respond to someone that you give them a really low offer and they start calling you every four letter word in the dictionary? I mean, what do you, what do you say? Okay. So my favorite technique with the angry seller who's offended by your offer, I will say something like, okay, well, well, you know what, Mr. Seller, 
let me look back at comps. Let me, let me do some research and see where I messed up. Okay, that right there, where I messed up. I am admitting to the seller, hey, 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 maybe I messed up. Maybe I was mistaken on something. What do you think sounds right for your home? What, what price were you thinking? Because now I want to hear how far off we are. And then it's up to you sort of, it, it might not even be that far off. This is where it's kind of subjective. Like it could be that they're only like $10,000 off and that's like not even that big of a deal, but they just have, they're just emotional people <laughs> or you're like way off. Right. So if they're way off is if they're okay, if they're a little bit off, you can say, well, Hey, let me go look back at comps. Let me see where I messed up. And you're saying that you could take 70,000 and let's say I offered them 60 and they're saying 70. Okay. Well, let me look back at comps. Let me see where I messed up. You're saying that, you know, would 70, is that, the best, you know, or the lowest that you can take is 70,000. Yeah, I would take 70,000. Say they say that. Okay. Okay. Well, let me go look back at comps and see if I can make that work because honestly you might have messed up. So remember that, like you guys might've messed up. Um, if there's any questions you have, like I would maybe then keep going and ask them some more detailed questions about the home. Like I would say, okay, well, let me make sure I've got everything right because I needed, it. it's gotta be apples to apples comparison. I have to find comps in the area that are apples to apples and see, I was comparing your home to one, two, three main street. It's a three, two it's sold, you know, in June for 60,000. And then you start spilling out some comps and then let the seller correct you. Like, you know, are these all like your home three, 2000 square feet? It could be, and I've had this happen where a seller's like, Oh no, no, no. I did an addition my house is 1400 square feet. I, I've got a permanent addition. It must not be reflecting that, but I have an addition. It's a 1400 square foot house. Well then geez, like I just called the wrong home, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when you start, like I get the seller to calm down by saying, maybe I messed up. I say that right up front. So they chill out. And then I start showing them, well, this is where I came up with my pricing, giving them, you know, three comps, see what they say from there make sure you, you know, you have the facts of the home, correct? Like you could even ask like, okay, well tell me about your roof again. Tell me about the repairs you made to the home. Now this is like in the conversation, if you guys still are on different planets with price, you know, just say, well, I'm going to go back and do my research on the comps. I'm going to see if I can come up on price. What is the lowest you can take? Let me see if I can make it work and get their lowest amount that they can take, go back, relook at comps. And listen, you can't convince every seller. Again, you're never going to convince a seller to take a discount on their home, they have to come up with that. So all you can do is give the supporting facts, which are the, the cash sales in the area. So that's it. I mean, you know, some you win, some you lose, some you can revive and bring back. And then some, they are just really, they're not that motivated. They're not your seller. They're not your customer. And that's fine. You move on because there, there are other customers out there that you can serve. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. All right. So next one, obviously when we're starting off, a lot of people don't have any clue what to say. So sometimes they'll get stumped and they just turn into a statue and nothing is coming out of their mouth. They freeze. What do you do in a situation like that? <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hang up. Pretend you got disconnected. Collect yourself and then call them okay. back. So funny story. I had this happen one time. One of the sellers was like saying, oh, I want to meet somebody down at the property or who will I be meeting? Who will I be meeting at the property when you guys do your inspections? I said, Oh, her name is, and I literally blanked on my employee's name. I don't know why. I just, for some reason, I could not think of her name in that moment. 
I think I was just so caught up in the negotiation that I forgot her name. And I literally just hung up the phone, pretended I got disconnected, collected myself. Her name is, you know, right. And then picked up the phone and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. I, we got disconnected. Um, you were asking me what my employee's name, her name is, you know, so hang up, hang up. You guys, you got disconnected. That's the nice thing about being on the phone too, is you're not right face to face. So you don't have to come up with everything right on the spot. The phone could disconnect at any moment. So right. just right there yeah. should have sold all you people in taking your business virtually. Even if you're working your backyard, stop going to seller meetings. You can just hang up on yeah. them. Don't know what to say. Just as a side note too, like learning virtual has been so it's like, I, I really do think it's a skill because you, you have a little bit more of a sense of urgency to get these properties under contract. And if you can learn to lock up something over the phone, I mean, you're beating out. I, th- I know I've heard you say this multiple times, but you're beating out the person that's driving there and waiting to have a really long, drawn-out conversation with them, whereas you can just lock it up immediately, and you're able to give out way more offers. Because because you can't meet with them in person, your only option is to do it over the phone. So I think it's a skill that even if you're wholesaling in your own market, I think it's a skill worth having for sure. Oh, and it's so funny. I mean, now that you say this, do you know how many sellers where we've won out against the guy who went in person because we say, and I literally say this, we'll go, listen, Mr. Seller, we're way too busy because we're working on way too many homes. But if you want to go meet with that investor and tell me what he offered you, I'll price match it if I can. If it's a price that will work for us, I'll price match it. And they literally will call us and be like, yeah, they offered me you know, whatever. But, you know, I talked to you first and we've been talking longer and I like you. So, cause we're all very likable on our team. So they literally said they offered us 50,000. You know, do you think you could take that? If so, like I would go to you because you guys gave us the offer first and you guys gave us pricing first. Cause that's one thing we give pricing first. We answer the phone faster because we're not driving around looking at properties. So We are there answering the phone, calling sellers back within 24 hours. Whereas these other investors that are driving around, spending all this time in the car, sometimes they're not calling sellers back for like two, three days. And it's like, well, there you go. Like now the seller likes us, even though they never saw our face in person, but they like us better because we are quicker and more responsive. So yeah, I let other people waste their time, go meet with the seller, go ahead, get another bid. And often those people will offer low, like those people in person will lowball, And then that like sets me up even more, right? Like the seller sometimes will be like honest, you know, and say, yeah, okay, well, they only offered me this. So I guess I'll go with you. I'm like, ha ha. So yeah. <laughs> Save gas and time. Absolutely. Um, what about when a seller, they don't want to pay taxes and they refuse to sign the closing documents. What do you say in a situation like that? I mean, they can come up last minute, obviously, and it kind of catches you off guard. So what do you do in a situation like that? This happened to me literally last week. We had a seller go rogue on us at the closing table. He looked at his net proceeds, saw he was getting less because he owed property taxes. He knew about the property taxes, but then I don't know, for some reason, the guy just went, I don't know, got really upset at the closing table and he walked out, left, got in his car and my disposition manager, you know, calls him up. And this is where I say, listen, you guys, you got to take the therapist approach now. Now you've got this seller who's got a problem property and you've got to let them know that property taxes, like you're not going to run away from your property taxes. This is not something you can run away from. 
If you sold this house to anyone else, they would expect you to pay your property taxes. It is not traditional that we would pay property taxes because we have no idea that you even skipped paying your property taxes. So that's a fee that we incur. I mean, that's like basically me giving you a blank check, Mr. Seller, and saying, hey, here you go, as much as you want. For all we know, you have a $50,000 tax lien. So, you know, Mr. Seller, it was kind of up to you to tell us up front that you had this debt and we maybe could have worked it out in the price. Maybe not. You know, we could have addressed this later. Were you aware that you owed this debt? I mean, that's another question I would reply with is like, were you aware? You know, were you trying to, so then they kind of get embarrassed, right? Like, oh, were you trying to slip one under us? Like, were you trying to get, think that you could get away with this? Like, so then, you know, you go back and you've got, by this point, you should know your seller. Okay. If you're at a closing table, if you're at this far into the escrow where you've got your property tax, you see that they owe property taxes, like you should know the seller situation. And that's when you want to like really start pushing their pain button a little bit of like, well, Mr. Seller, like you still want to sell this house, right? Because X, Y, and Z insert pain you know, and well, Mr. Sorry, you're not going to run away from this. Now it depends. Also, one thing is this depends on the amount. amount. I've had property tax bills that were like nothing, like literally like $358. And like the seller is like losing their mind over it. I forget it. I'll pay it. Like there are times where I'm like, whatever, like I'll just pay it. I'll raise my price $358. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but then I've had like income tax liens like that. They come, those come up income tax liens. And those are ones where you really have to like, you know, Hey, Mr. Seller, you, you know, you really can't run away from this and you're going to, you have to sell this house. Like if you have to sell this house, like you have to pay this bill, you don't have a choice. And you just let them come up with whatever they want to come up with. Um, I've had students where I've heard like the seller would get upset. And then like, after they thought about it for a couple of weeks, they call back, okay, I'm ready to sell the home. Sometimes they just need some time. So keep it friendly, be understanding of their situation. I mean, a lot of times people aren't paying taxes because they are in a financial bind. So be the therapist, be the person that they can talk to and express their frustration. And you either come up with a solution, which might be that you help pay for it, or you just sit back and let them come to that decision. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I actually had a situation come up with that. Like I had spoke to you about it, but we were about to close. It was my first deal and we were about to close and the lien came up out of nowhere. And luckily we had enough of a spread to where we could cover the lien, but it was a really weird situation because we offered to pay off the entire lien and they were like, no, 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 we don't even want you to do that. Like it kind of just freaked them out. Uh-huh. And then eventually, though, instead of like me getting emotional and mad at them for not doing what I thought was the right thing, I just continued to be super nice to them and just be like, well, you know, if, if you need help with anything, let me know. And then like two days later, she called me back and was like, OK, you can pay off the lien and we can close. Right. So you uh-huh. just have to not be like overly emotional with some of these people. They really need our help, you know, and you have to be sort of that like that rock for them. For sure. Uh, to show that you can lead them. Next one. So, I mean, a lot of people virtually, I remember when I was first getting started out too, everybody's always like, how do you lock up a property in a different state, in a mm-hmm. different area that you don't know about? I remember for the longest time, like I had joined other virtual programs and everybody is sort of the same. They're just like, oh, just become friends with a real estate agent over there. It's super easy. Like they'll do this, they'll do that for you. And 
but there was no like process. And I mean, you definitely made it like super easy for me. I remember I was close to getting a few properties under contract and asking you like, what's the process here? And you broke it down like a really simple four steps. And it gave me, it just gave me the confidence to go out there and lock up these deals. So maybe that might be stopping some people from going virtual. What's your thoughts on that? I think really the question is, how do you get a seller to sign a contract over the phone? Yeah. That's yeah. The block. Everybody can't wrap their head around that. Um, and I just go in with, you just assume they are going to sign over the phone. Just assume it. So, okay. So Mr. Seller, we're good with 70,000. Yes, we're good with 70,000. Okay. Awesome. So listen, I want to call my inspector and get you on that schedule as quickly as I can. It looks like it might be around sometime next week since it's Friday right now. So we can get you on the inspection schedule and get photos taken. I want to get that done as soon as possible, but we got to get the contract signed. I have a really simple one page contract and I am going to send it to you using DocuSign. Um, have you ever used DocuSign? Hear what they say. Well, if you've never used it before, it's super easy. It's a way where you can legally sign contracts via your email. So I will send it to you by email. It's very easy. You just click the buttons to sign. It will direct you on how to sign it. As soon as I get that contract signed by you, I will get you on the inspection schedule. So what's your email address? Get it, send it. If they have any issue with that, you hear what their issue is. Okay, so usually this happens, you know, I don't have email. I don't do computers, not my thing. Okay, well, Mr. Seller, when are you gonna be around today? Are you home? What time are you home? And then I will send a runner to them to have the runner drop off a contract. They sign it, the runner gets it back. So a runner is somebody, I call them a runner, like an errand runner of some type. We don't do this all the time. It's actually like, I would say one out of every five. And it's for the sellers that don't do the email thing. You know, it's not their thing. So you definitely in a virtual market, you need to have somebody out there, but it basically, you just assume like, okay, so as soon as you sign this, what's your email? And all the time it works all the time. So that's how we do it. Awesome. Awesome. One thing that I even do sometimes when I ask about, you know, emailing the contract to them. I try to highlight the benefit of that they have an electronic copy of it. So they'll never lose it. Right. And that if any issues were to come up, it's like, you have the contract right there. Like I can't burn it or shred it up. You know what I mean? So like, I think maybe it might put them a little bit at ease telling them that I say that just, and it's been working a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. We've covered a lot of topics. I would love to do this again as we think of more stuff that come up together, if you were open to it, because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more. But why don't we take a pause until then? Nick, how can people get a hold of you? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. The best place is probably Instagram. So it's just N-V-O-Z-I-K-E-S at N-V-O-Z-I-K-E-S. And yeah, if you want to shoot me a DM, if you have any questions, let me know. Awesome. And if you guys want to learn more about virtual investing and my coaching program, I want you guys to check out www.wholesalinginc.com slash virtual to learn more about taking your business virtually. All right, Nick, thanks. It's been great. Thanks, thanks Lauren. Bye. Appreciate it. 
That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.